the explosive new film, Flynn, Deliver the Truth, Whatever the Cost, exposes secrets behind the government's takedown of General Michael Flynn. Flynn knew what the intel world had been up to. He ordered the first audit of the use of contractors. This set off alarm bells. He told the truth. He was the most dangerous person for Donald Trump to hire. They had to get rid of Flynn. Flynn, Deliver the Truth, Whatever the Cost. Available now. Watch it today. Go to SalemNow.com. SalemNow.com. Are you looking for truth from God's Word that you can understand and apply to your life? You'll find it today on Make It Clear with Dr. Stan Pons, Bible teacher and president of Clarity Christian College, formerly known as Florida Bible College. Listen now as Stan makes it clear. Now let's use the same 10-10-80 principle. You give 10% to the Lord automatically, 10% to yourself in a good investment but safe program, and then you live off the other 80. What would you have by the time you're 60 years of age, 20 years of doing this? I'm told the numbers would look like this. That you would have given $120,000 for kingdom building, gospel giving programs. You would have also then saved for yourself $343,000 in that amount of time. Now you can play with these numbers and they're going to go up and down, but I still think that you have to have some kind of a plan that you're willing to work with to work in some direction to getting out of debt. All right, now that's not all. Yes, you got to, you know, give it, you got to, you know, save it, you got to live off of it. But there's something else that you could do. Number three, you could have a sale. You could have a sale. Now, when you've read in the Bible, when the ship was going down that Paul was in, you know that what they did, they started offloading stuff, hoping that they might keep the ship safe. I was reading about Hudson Taylor that was in a horrible storm, and when he was in the storm, they too were throwing things overboard to lighten the load. Well, in your life and my life, if you and the ship that you're in, that financial ship, is going down because of debt, you've got to start offloading some stuff. Now, that might mean that you have to look at what you have. Now, your mind says, well, it's already paid for. I already have it. But you might have to insure it. You might have to store it. You might have to maintain that thing. And really, do you really absolutely need it as a, here it is, basic need of life? And so you might have to have it. So you might say, but I'm going to get a lot less than what I paid for it. That's true. But do you really need it when your commitment is a higher value of getting out of debt? So you might have to have a sale to do that. So think about it. Now, I don't want to go from preaching to meddling here, but there's a couple areas that you might think of. One could be even your automobile. Now, I'm not here trying to sell cars. I'm certainly not here at all trying to sell you investment programs. That's not where I'm at. This will be my last message on giving. And if I live through this with all your emails, I will may do it again in 10 years. But let me go back to this. Some of you might have an automobile that at one time in your life, you bought it because it gave you prestige or power or whatever. But because of your indebtedness, you might need to downsize. Now, folks, if you think I'm up here preaching at you and I wouldn't do this myself, you need to know that there was a time in my life, Carol and I, I was 30 years of age. It was at that age where you're kind of trying to come into maturity and you're struggling with things. I was a missionary in San Antonio there, planning a church, planning a Bible college, all of this, just living off of basic support. The people I hung around with were good, godly people. They drove nice cars. And so I thought, well, maybe I could have a nice car. And so I went out. Sold our Volkswagen van, which I ha wish I had today. It was a beautiful 73 van. You know, that thing would have really been worth something today here in this island, wouldn't it? Have? All right. But I got rid of the van, and I got a 1980 whiz-bang uh, Mercury Cougar. And I went ahead, and because of salesmanship and my inability to say no, I let them just load that up with all the options I possibly could. 
And so I had that car for a year. Well, then I began to teach seminars on financial freedom and what the Bible has to say about money. I was doing marriage enrichment seminars, teaching them how to, teaching your children how to work with their money and all of that. The more I read scripture, the more I realized that I was in debt. I could hardly make the payments on this thing. There was stress in our family. I really didn't need that kind of a car. My problem was greed and pride and, you know, prestige and all of that. So I knew I had to do something. But now the real problem was, could I really get rid of the car? And if I really could get rid of the car, would I have any money left yet to get another car? And I came to the conclusion that I'm going to have to trust God with this thing. So I went back to the dealership and I said, I can't afford this thing, but I don't want you to repossess it. What can we do? And God began to work a miracle. And he, they took the car back. And with the amount of money I put down on the car, I had just a little bit left over, not enough to even buy another car. So I'm coming home with two adopted boys and my wife, age 30, telling them, we don't have a vehicle, but I bless God, I got rid of ours. You should have seen my poor wife. She was wanting to be so excited. I don't know if she was crying because I was now living by faith or crying because now she'd have to walk to the grocery store. I don't know how that was. But I can tell you that God honored that. Within one week, we were given another car. Now, that other car was, was nothing more than a tin can with a sewing machine engine in it. That's all it was. It was a little tiny Fiat, all right? But I was so excited about this little Fiat. And God then got us onto a road that we would never borrow money to purchase a car again. And so since 1980 till today, we have never borrowed money to purchase a car. We haven't had fancy little schmancy cars, but we've had cars that have all been paid for, saving a little bit for our next car, because you've seen our little red beach car we're talking about. Do I get it painted now? What do I do? Or do I put a bullet in it or throw it in the river? I don't know. But now, let me take some edge off of this. Some of you might be driving a nice car right now. I'm not talking that you've got to get rid of that car and have a bucket of bolts or a beach car. Some of you can afford it. Some of you in your line of work, that is a part of it. It is not born because of prestige and power and you want to look cool. It's because that's who you are. And if you can't enjoy that, if you paid me more, I'd have a better car. I'm joking. Just relax, all right? The point is still the same. It's when you're in debt and you can't afford it and you didn't go into this thing with a lot of prayer and you're now wrestling with a faith issue in this, then you've got to deal with it. But that doesn't mean all of you got to get rid of your cars. So you take it to the Lord with a humble spirit and say, Lord, what can I offload? I need to have a sale. What could I do to downsize for now? That journey into the destination of being holy and separate and watching God work will be rich. Rick will never forget what happened to him at Pearl Harbor. Number four, you need to set up a payment plan, a repayment plan actually. It must be intentional. You must have a plan. Proverbs 21.5 says, Good planning and hard work lead to prosperity. If you want to be prosperous, you have to have a plan. It's important that you have a plan. Proverbs 28.18 says, Plans are established by counsel. For some of you, when I say counsel, it could be any, anyone who's simple that might be someone in your sphere of influence that's spiritual, spiritually mature, someone you respect and has financial stability. And you and that person get together on a regular basis and begin to talk through some of your finances. That would be called discipleship, really. That would be called mentorship. It might even be called accountability, but it is called having come alongside someone else to help you. There are people in this church that have been on the other side with you that are now on their side with God and they're learning and they want you to know that there is freedom, there is light at the end of the tunnel and it's not the headlights of an oncoming train. They want to help you, but you've got to go to... But why don't people go to a financial counselor of some sort? One of the reasons is because they're afraid that the counselor will eventually say, you know what... You've got to get rid of cable. Yeah, you might have to downsize this. And you might have to get rid of that. I'm not trying to put up things in front of you. But 
And we don't want to do that. We don't want anybody telling us what to do. That's why we got in the problem to start with. A lot of us already knew this stuff, but our, just our emotions and flesh took over. Who wants that? It's called pride. It will never get past it unless we get some help. So we have to have a repayment plan, and we need to stick with that plan no matter what. With God, it is possible. With man, it is impossible. Number five, we need to add no new debt. Add no new debt. Now, you know the answer to that. Usually we got into debt because of credit cards. Honestly, is that not the truth? I'm not talking about so much buying a car. But in most cases, we got into it with credit cards, with some credit manager that we had to talk to. And he convinced us that, yeah, you can afford it. And yeah, we probably could, but he didn't know all the other things that were going on in our life. And it's, he didn't know how much we wanted to give to the Lord. And he, we didn't, he didn't know how much that we perhaps wanted to have saved so we can go on a mission trip. And so he just factored it all in. You make enough money, you can have this. And so that gets us into this. And now we have to say we don't want to have any more debt. So maybe the thing you need to do is to do serious business with your credit card. So go home, get a cookie sheet out, take all your credit cards that you have, put it on the cookie sheet, slide it in the oven, turn it to 450, and have a melting party. Now, I know that's pretty drastic, but for some of us, we need to do drastic surgery. Some of you, if you don't want to do that because that's too hokey, just go home and get your scissors and cut up your, your credit card. You do need to do plastic surgery if you cannot control those credit cards. I'm passionate about this. Now, those of you who are guests in this church, I want you to relax. This church is financially stable. We have money in the bank. We're paying our bills. Our staff is, is adequately taken care of. We would like to do more. That's no doubt, you know. But on the other hand, we're not trying to raise money for anything. What we are trying to do is to be a church that follows his word no matter the cost and let God take care of how he wants to bless us. But it does require us to get rid of the credit cards. Now, some of you, you might say, well, how do I know I need to get rid of the credit cards? Or, or maybe better yet, could I keep at least one credit card? My answer is maybe if you could answer the following. Number one, will you pay it off by the end of the month? If you can't pay it off by the end of the month, deal with it. Number two, that if you do use your credit card, you will not go beyond the agreed upon and written budget. In other words, it has to keep you within budget. And then number three, if you and your mate have vowed that you would not extend that credit card past the month. In other words, you would pay it off that month. If you made a vow that you would do that together and you agreed on it and you exceed that, then that next month you get rid of the credit card. Now, if you can do it with those three, pay it by the end of the month, stay within budget, you don't ever go over that, then I want you to know that credit cards for you, that's a tool. That's a get frequent flyer miles with that. Go back to mainland, see family, you know? That's good stuff. But if you can't handle that, then don't do it. It's just dangerous. We're playing with a loaded gun. We're smelling alcohol when we're an alcoholic. And we have to be very careful of that. The Bible says, again, be content with what you have. Those credit cards seem to get away from us. Now, I started with, number one, was to make a commitment, and you know how you have to end this, and that is you have to stick with it, and that's number six. Stick with it. Galatians 6, 9 says, Let us not lose heart in doing good, for in due time we will reap if we do not grow weary. You have to stick with it, folks. It's not something that's going to happen overnight. I would like to tell you about a story by the name of Alex. Alex was in our church again in San Antonio. San Antonio in the early 80s, was experiencing, like the country, massive oil industry problems. If you lived during the 80s, you know what it was like, but Texas is an oil state like Oklahoma, and so everybody's in the oil industry in Texas, even if you don't deal with oil because it affects our economy so much. It's like we're all in the tourist business here. We're all in the military business here because it affects us in one way or the other. You know what I'm saying. Now, that being said, 
I had a, a guy that came into our church. He got saved, baptized, wiped did the same. I even married them. We had such a wonderful fellowship. But I noticed certain things happening. But, you know, as a pastor, you want to know, when can I meddle? When can I talk? When should I let it happen? We struggle with that, pastors, because we see different people kind of going near a cliff. And we want to know how much before we ought to talk to them or they think we're now meddling. But one day he came into my office and he said, Pastor, I, I need you. I am, I am so messed up right now. I said, tell me what's the problem. He says, I want you to know that I have now $100,000 in consumer debt. I got a credit card through the mail. I charged that up. I got another credit card. I kept adding to one credit card after another. I kept it going so fast that they couldn't keep up with one another. I have a brand new Mercedes Benz. I cannot pay this. I just lost my job. And my wife came to me yesterday, and here's what she said. She said, Alex, I want you to know we're going to have a baby. And he says, I don't know what to do. What can we do? So we prayed about it. We talked about it. He then, as all of us should, he became broken before God and he saw where he was trying to keep up with the Joneses and why he was trying to do all of this stuff. And he realized he couldn't do it. So I took him through some of the material that we're saying here. We gave him accountability. Within three years, not only did he pay off his debt, not only did he continue giving and have a healthy, wonderful family, he then had the idea that he was going to have a little shop in his home just to repair computers and to do some little computer tech work, 1983, at the very beginning of the market. Two years later, he was the most prosperous guy in fixing and repairing computers and selling refurbished ones that he made the cover of Texas Monthly. Now, here was a man that surrendered to God as a broken state and did what God told him to do in Scripture, and God brought him out of it. Larry Burkett, before he began, he was beginning fi financial, Christian financial concepts, spent a lot of time with him, one-on-one, -on -one, talking to him, talking about what he was doing, how did he do He told me that within seven years, you could have your house paid for, just doing it the biblical way. Now, yes, there is a certain degree of sacrifice, but not so much that you can't enjoy life, not so much that you can't give, that you can't help your kids grow. There are things that you can do, but there are certain things that we've so encumbered ourselves with. It doesn't have to be that way. Will it mean that the minute you surrender, that all of a sudden you, 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 you get all this money from a distant relative you never knew died and gave you this? It's not going to happen that way. It's going to come to you in so many different ways, so many supernatural ways that you won't even expect it. Boom, it'll be there. I can't predict it. I don't know what it is. We're not talking about health and wealth. We're not talking about get rich quick. We're not one of those kind of churches. We are a church that believes that God will take care of you. How many of you right now can say that God supernaturally provided for you when you needed it in a very special way that you didn't tell anybody, didn't ask us, God did it. Would you raise your hand? Great, we're going to be here all afternoon. Let me pass the mic around. No, we're not going to do that. But the neat thing is, is you saw enough hands up here of real people just like you that get up in the morning, live their life like you do, struggle with all the temptations to spend money, knowing that sometimes we step over the line, but at the same time wanting to get back where God wants us to And God will take, God is a God of grace. Well, in closing, I want to bring it all back to this. There is a debt that I don't care how much you follow the paying this and doing this and all, you'll never be able to pay that debt. That's what we call the debt of sin. That's a debt that can only be paid for by Christ. For some of you, maybe this word picture will help you. We who live here, in, uh, live here, I know it sounds, the pastors, we are here. So many times we see law enforcement pulling people over who come down the poly very, very fast going into town. And we see them giving them a ticket. How many have ever gotten a ticket? Don't raise your hand. So you've seen that happen. But let's just say this particular time you are driving down. This wouldn't really totally be you. But let's say you're driving down. You're going too fast. 
you're using your cell phone, you're drinking a beer, you go through a red light, you're weaving all over the place, and of course you get pulled over and you get multiple tickets. Now that's really our life as a human being anyway. We are living our life often weaving all over the road, doing things we shouldn't to our bodies, living our life with sin on the inside. We've got so many tickets, so many violations of God's law that started from the very moment that we knew to do good and we didn't do it. That became sin from the inside out all the way through by nature and by choice. And God says, there is going to be a day of reckoning that you'll have to pay the penalty for that. Now the penalty for that is going to be the penalty of death. Now let's take this a little bit further. So now we get these tickets or these tickets from the law enforcement. We go into town and we're now ready to pay them. We know that not only are we going to have to go to jail, we have to do probation and pay a fine. And as we're ready to do that, someone steps up and says, you know what, I'll go to jail for you, I'll pay the fine for you, and I'll do all the probation for you. In other words, all of your penalty is going to be on me and I will satisfy the judge with it. And that will never happen because in our legal system they won't permit it. But God says there is a way to do that because God says he already knows there's no way we could ever pay for our own way to get into heaven. All the good deeds will never ever outweigh the bad deeds that we have done because we're already a sinner by our nature. And so Jesus steps in because God permitted Jesus to do this because he loved us so much and he says, all right, I'll recognize my son Jesus Christ for taking all of your penalty on him. And he says, that's a debt. We owed a debt to society because of our crime. We owe a debt to God because of our sin. And God says, I love you. And so I'm sending my son in your place to suffer all of the, 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 the penalty that you deserve. Now all you have to do is to accept it. Now if that was you that had the penalty of all that bad driving and someone else did all that for you, wouldn't you do it? Or you say, oh no, 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 I did it. Let me go to jail. <laughs> Let me go ahead and pay a million dollar fine. Let me go ahead. And no, no, you say, you want to do it? Go ahead, buddy. You know? Well, because we'd be smart. And we would be smart to finally say, Lord, I'll never pay my sin debt. It's too expensive. But I'll take Jesus Christ as my sin debt payer. And I'm going to believe that he did that for me. And if he said he did that, and we trust in him and him alone, a God who cannot lie, our sins are paid for. So there are debts we can take care of, and we do it God's way through his power for his glory. But the debt of sin, that's a time we have to say, Lord, I give it all up for you. I can't do it. I'll never be able to do it. I need you. Are you ready now to trust in Christ? I pray so. Let's bow our heads and close our eyes. Let's take a moment and get this whole debt thing settled once and for all. You might pray a prayer like this. Oh Lord, we owe a debt because we broke your laws. And Jesus Christ, I right now accept from you the free gift of forgiveness to pay for my sins. I'm coming to you as a sinner in need of a Savior and my good works don't help one bit. It's almost too good to be true that you would love me so much that you would die on the cross for me and wipe away my debt forever. A debt that I have no hope of ever repaying. So Lord, thank you for dying on the cross for me and I'm placing my faith alone in you. Now, if you're doing that between you and the Lord, I'd like to pray for you. So with every head bowed and every eye closed, are you certain that your debt, which is far more than speeding tickets, will ever be? And your penalty in hell forever, separated from God, is worse than any fine you'll ever pay. One, you can get it done and over with. The other will last eternity. So would you go to Christ right now, who is the one who has taken and paid your penalty of sin to give you eternal life? Would you receive Him as your Savior? 
And so with every head bowed and every eye closed so you wouldn't be embarrassed, I'm going to ask you to slip up your hand if you're trusting Christ in here today where you're calling upon the Lord, the lawgiver on one side, but the grace provider on the other, all wrapped up in the person and work of Christ on the cross. And you'd like for me to pray for you. You're saying, Lord, I believe you died for me on the cross. I'm receiving you and the forgiveness of my sin by faith and nothing more. And you now, my friend, would like for me to pray for you because you're now, in some measure, having that communion with the Lord. And you'd like for me to pray for you. Would you slip up your hand? Is there anyone at all that's trusting Christ today? Never done it before. Anyone at all? Okay. Now, Christians, with your heads bowed and eyes closed, we're ending our series here. But that doesn't mean we're ending our desire to come alongside you if you want to get your finances on solid ground. Solid ground would be the Word of God. Nothing's more solid than the Bible and Jesus Christ. And there are plenty of people here that are not saying they're better than you and they got it all together. They're just saying that they've been through what you're going through right now and they now have found the solution and they love you and they want to help you. They don't want you to be trapped in debt and problems that spills over into your marriages and families or the future of this church or maybe the future of our society. They're here to help you. And if you're single, they love you too. We want to help you. So don't just wallow around in, in guilt and feeling of defeat. So maybe your prayer could be this. Dear Lord, I'm discouraged about my finances, but I do believe that what is impossible with men is possible with you. So today I want to give you my financial mess. I want to do it your way now, Lord. So I'm asking for the power. I'm asking for you to now live out a consistent life of the balance of giving, saving, spending. I want to follow your financial plan. So Father, whatever you and perhaps some godly counsel will tell me to get out of this debt trap, I ask for your help in Jesus' name. Now how many of you would pray a prayer similar to that and put it in your own words and you would like for me to remember you in prayer as I close now? Would you slip up your hand? Is there anyone at all? Many hands. Young people, you're not in debt now, but that's the good news. So what you're learning here is what debt is so you don't get into it. You don't have to go down that life of Mr. Toad's wild ride at Disneyland and see where there's problems all around you and succumb to it. You can rise above it. And only the world has yet to see a young person who embraces these principles today, does not get in debt, how financially more stable they could be in the future and what they might be able to do for kingdom work for God. I don't know. Can't make no promises. I'm not into health and wealth and prosperity stuff, but I am into doing it God's way for God's glory that in God's timing you'll get God's results. Our gracious Heavenly Father, I thank you that this Bible is not a book that's going to take away any of our fun and pleasure. But if anything, if we follow it according to your faith and power, that we will have the greatest enrichment of peace and inner joy that we'll have even during the struggles of a, of a lost job or an unexpected ding in our finances. That, Father, you promise that you will take care of us, that a child of God never has to be a beggar. And so, Father, we pray this now. We pray that you'll help us as a church to be strong so that we could help those that are weak and are struggling. Now, Father, I thank you for the beloved brethren that are here. 
my brothers and sisters who are humble to admit this and caring enough to help others. Now, Father, thank you the way you've blessed us and we look forward to your continued blessing as we desire to bless you by blessing others. In Jesus' name, amen. We're about ready to partake of our special communion time. This is an open communion. It does not take long, but it is very, very special because while we're going to do this communion, I don't want us just to eat the bread, drink the juice stuff. I want us to take this opportunity to realize we're taking the bread that's representing the broken body of Christ for us on the cross and what he did for our sin and for today maybe mismanagement of funds. And then when we take the juice and we drink that juice, we're going to be thinking of the blood that was shed of Jesus Christ and how he has cleansed us and that without the shedding of blood there'd be no payment for our sin and forgiveness. And so that while we're taking this communion, it's reminding us of this new do-over that we have in Christ. And then it's the promise that he's coming again. And if he came the first time, he will come the second time and the joy that we have with that. So when you partake of this, it's all about you and Jesus being one if you know Christ as Savior. Now, who would not qualify for this? Those who haven't trusted Christ as Savior. Those who have a broken relationship that needs to be healed with someone else. Someone who knows they're continuing in sin and it's displeasing to the Lord and you're not ready yet to forsake that sin in Jesus. You ought not to take it. You might cause more problems. Come on yourself if you do. Not threatening, just announcing. If you're not a member of this church, it doesn't matter. It's not the church's table, it's the Lord's table. So it's open communion for those that know Christ as Savior. So would you join us now? With every head bowed and every eye closed, let's prepare our hearts. This is Joe Pons, and I want to thank you for listening to Make It Clear with the teaching of Dr. Stan Pons, founder of Make It Clear Ministries and president of Clarity Christian College. Make It Clear is dedicated to taking the Word of God with clarity into every person's world. It's the support of listeners like you who make the ministry of Make It Clear possible. You can provide your tax-deductible gift to Make It Clear online by going to makeitclear.org. That's makeitclear.org. Thank you for helping us make it clear. If you would like to have Dr. Pond speak at your church or event, please email us at tellmemore at makeitclear.org. That's tellmemore at makeitclear.org. Thank you, and remember to make it clear. General Michael J. Flynn, head of the Pentagon Intelligence Agency, knew all the government's dirty secrets. He was one of the most respected generals in the military. Flynn knew what the intel world had been up to. He understood its funding. He ordered the first audit of the use of contractors. This set off alarm bells. The explosive new documentary, Flynn, deliver the truth, whatever the cost, and covers the facts behind this scandal. Flynn told the truth. He was the most dangerous person for Donald Trump to hire. I find out the worst enemy that I'm going to face in my life is right here in America. They took my assessment and they wanted me to change it. I was like, I'm not changing it. They had to get rid of Flynn. With in-depth interviews, archival footage, and never-before-seen personal records of the man behind the headlines. I just felt like I was drowning. Flynn. Deliver the truth, whatever the cost. Available now. Watch it today. Go to salemnow.com. salemnow.com.